Episode 21 of Healing Our Brokenness. And today's episode is Approval Addiction. Perfectionism and people-pleasing are more acceptable words to say. It sounds better and it makes us feel better than to tell someone that we suffer from approval addiction. Saying the words approval addiction makes us want to cringe. However, the deeper issue of these two sins is the need for approval. When it comes to the brokenness that occurs in our lives, either we tend to follow in the footsteps that this emotion caused or we will do the exact opposite. People-pleasing and perfectionism stem from rejection. If we are rejected, then the natural thing to do is to disappear or become invisible or to make sure that someone sees me. First of all, we will examine the sin of people-pleasing. When it comes to people-pleasing, we are focusing on doing the things that people want us to do. If it gets to the extreme, where we are so trying to keep everybody happy that we have literally lost our own self in the process, That's when we get to the point of waking up one day and then asking ourselves, okay, what do I want? I have done everything that everybody else has wanted me to do. How do I live outside of this? For example, if there are 50 people in a room and we took a survey to see how all 50 of these people thought that we should style our hair. We could possibly have anywhere between 20 to 50 answers. What if we decided to follow their advice? We'd be going around just like the Energizer Bunny, worn out and a tired, hot mess. They would be happy 
but we wouldn't be because we've decided to forego being true to ourselves. We have lost a sense of self at that point of what we value and hold true to our own sense of self. The next sin that we will examine is that of perfectionism. I was abandoned by my dad at age 11. I felt rejected. Since my mom and dad were no longer together and we were total opposites, I had to have some type of conclusion to come to in my child's mind. Then I felt rejected by her. Thirdly, I had a situation where I stood outside of the Baptist church where I grew up in, and one teenager said to another teenage girl, her mother is so beautiful, I wonder what happened to her. To a teenage girl, this is devastating. Mix it in with the fact that I already had double issues of rejection from my parents, as well as physical insecurities. It rocked my world. I internalized what was said. And then I was set up on the course for dating and then marrying my ex-husband, who had his own brokenness of being controlling, manipulative, emotionally abusive, a serial cheater, and the list could go on and on. And I endured 20 years of this. And the question is, since I had grounds for divorce, why did I stay so long? The above two reasons that I mentioned, extreme insecurities about my appearance and the three-part rejection issue. He was able to keep me in his back pocket for so long because of my low self-worth. And unfortunately, in my brokenness, I allowed it. It wasn't until about three years ago that I got to the root of my perfectionism slash approval addiction issues. God was gracious and merciful at the time. Secondly, he showed me how it played out. I was the rule follower the good girl in grammar school and high school. Katina didn't get into trouble. My perfectionism played out in winning school spelling bees, getting good grades in school, and performing an oratorical contest. I loved doing all these things. However, there was also recognition for doing all of these things. Instead of choosing to become invisible, I chose to be seen. Because of my ex-husband's brokenness, he pretended like all I had to do 
was a few things and we would go back to the way that things were. What I didn't know in the beginning is that I could do 50 things or 1,000 things and the relationship was never going to go back to the way that it was in the beginning. I had been love-bombed, gaslit, devalued, and being groomed for discard, unfortunately. Perfectionism went from one area of my life to every area as I tried to fix him and give structure and control to an out-of-control individual. Who was I fooling? There was a two-way street going on. I was on a mission to fixing what he needed, and I took the devil's bait of getting myself worth from him instead of God. We will never be filled by another individual in an area that only God can feel. And if you are dealing with someone with his type of brokenness, they will just keep adding to the list of things that you must do in order to be perfect as if you are a Barbie doll, making you think if you would only do this, then we would get back to the way that things were. Trust me, it will never, ever happen. Are you tired of being in the same situation? A revolving door of stagnancy at work, at home, at church, and in your relationships? Are you thinking that it's everybody else's fault but yours? Do you find yourself living out what you promised yourself that you would never do? Broken pieces from survival mode to the life of thriving is for you. You can find this step-by-step course at brokenpieces.teachable.com. And now, back to the podcast. Moses had the same setup from the Israelites. He led the people out of Egypt as God had told him. But then all of the needy people were coming to him for everything. Here is the scripture taken from Exodus 18. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro... Moses' father-in-law had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other, Eleazar, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he encamped at the mountain of God. 
And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jephro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake and all the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel and that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair, they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. And I make them know the statues of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statues and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure. And all this people also 
will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. What happened to Moses is kind of like having your children say, Mom, you answer, and then it turns into 50 more times. Mom, 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 Mom. And to be honest, by the 50th time, you are aggravated. You're ready to run away or wring someone's neck. It gets played out real fast. However, like in my relationship, Moses had his rejection issues and his began at birth. And then his life in Egypt was never resolved. He got caught up in people pleasing slash approval addiction. He could help the people in their neediness and they could help him. They could provide him with the approval that he craved, which could only really be filled by God. What happens? We get tired after a while, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and psychologically. We are exhausted and it takes place on both sides from those people who are pulling on us all the time and on our side trying to help them and get the approval. Codependency sets in, like in me and Moses' situation. Bottom line, we cannot give people what they need. God is telling us, like he told Martha, come, sit at my feet, rest in me. Fill your soul with spirit-filled activities. People are never going to be enough. He is a jealous God, and he is jealous of our people worship. He keeps telling us, come unto me, all ye that labor, and I will give you rest. When we choose people-pleasing and perfectionism, over God, then we choose to settle for broken pieces of shame, other people's expectations, rejection, unworthiness, and unacceptance. So our broken pieces that we're choosing again is shame, other people's expectations, rejection, unworthiness, and unacceptance. So how in the world do we start the recovery process from approval addiction? Number one, we remind ourselves that our identity is in Christ. We speak to our soul and tell it, God loves you. We remind ourselves that Jesus was despised and rejected. And because he was despised and rejected, 
by his own people. Back in his day, he understands our pain. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. We can tell ourselves as well that Christ is enough and we are enough in Christ. Here is another statement that we can tell ourselves to help us with approval addiction. We are all broken. And so when we look to others for approval, we are getting approval from everyone else's broken lens. And the last tip, which is number six, rest in God. When we are literally resting in God, the more that we do it, the more that we're going to want to do it. It pushes out all of that striving, keeping ourselves filled up in God and not with other things because he is the only one that will satisfy. I want to thank you so much for listening to episode 21, Approval Addiction on Healing Our Brokenness. And I hope that something was said would stir your heart and mind and soul as you walk in your journey. Thank you so much and God bless. Never gonna fail.